I wonder if they can even hear that. Or if they were just like, oh, the audio is not working on my phone. Not sure. Oh, one day we should do like five minutes of silence. Oh. So people are just freaking out. Or and 20 minutes of you walking to the gym. Yeah. Both of those would make Allison equally angry. Also, I drove to the gym. Oh, yeah. you did? Oh, I thought yeah. you walked that day. Okay. No. That's interesting. All right. Hey, welcome back to Chip and Eric Reading Through the Bible. I'm Chip. That's Eric. Hi. That's me. And we're glad you're here with us. We're going to go, and today we're reading Isaiah's chapter 3, 4, and 5. That's what we're doing. It's going to be a fun day today. But we're all lost. We have no idea what's happening, Chip, because you've told us what we're reading. Oh. But you've not told us what day it is. Well, it's day 167, Eric. Now you can breathe a sigh of relief. Man, that is... Yes. For a minute, I was kind of panicky. Well, don't be panicky. Yeah, I'm doing okay. You're okay. I'm feeling better. Everything's fine. Good. I'm going to do what my, my doctor told me. What did he tell you? He said, anytime you start to really feel like you're freaking out, yep. just have a brookie. Hey, so brookie. I'll, I'll finish up that brookie in a minute. Uh, Actually, I won't. I'll have one more piece, and then I'll finish it tomorrow. Okay. A full, like, almost a week after the date. Yeah. Chip hates eating food after the date. Yeah, just my thing. It's your thing. It's fine. Okay. Whatever. Okay. My thing's reading the Bible. Let's the Lord. The Lord of heaven's armies will take away from Jerusalem and Judah everything they depend on, every bit of bread and every drop of water, all their heroes and soldiers, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, army officers and high officials, advisors, skilled sorcerers, and astrologers. I will make boys their leaders and toddlers their rulers. People will oppress each other, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. Young people will insult their elders and vulgar people will sneer at the honorable. In those days, a man will say to his brother, Since you have a coat, you be our leader. Hmm. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But he will reply, No, I can't help. I don't have any extra food or clothes. Don't put me in charge. For Jerusalem will stumble. Judah will fall. Because they speak out against the Lord and refuse to obey him. They provoke him to his face. They very, the very look on their faces give, gives them away. They display their sin like people of Sodom. And don't even try to hide it. They're doomed. They have brought destruction upon themselves. Tell the godly, all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have earned. But the wicked are doomed, for they will get exactly what they deserve. Childish leaders oppress my people, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, your leaders mislead you. They send you down the wrong road. The Lord takes his place in court and presents his case against the people, against his people. Mm -hmm. The Lord comes forward to pronounce judgment on the elders and rulers of his people. You have ruined Israel, my vineyard. Your houses are filled with things stolen from the poor. How dare you crush my people, grinding the faces of the poor into dust, demands the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord says, beautiful Zion is haughty. Craning her elegant neck, flirting with her eyes, walking with dainty steps, tingling her ankle bracelets. So the Lord will send scabs on her head. The Lord will make beautiful Zion bald. On that day of judgment, the Lord will strip away everything that makes her beautiful. Ornaments, headbands, crescent necklaces, earrings, bracelets and veils, scarves, ankle bracelets, sashes, perfumes and charms, rings, jewels, party clothes, gowns, capes and purses, mirrors, fine linen garments, head ornaments, and shawls. Instead of smelling sweet perfume, she will stink. She will wear a rope for a sash, and her elegant hair will fall out. She will wear rough burlap instead of rich robes. Shame will replace her beauty. The men of the city will be killed with a sword, and her warriors will die in battle. The gates of Zion will weep and mourn. The city will be like a ravaged woman huddled on the ground. And that day, so few men will be left that seven women will fight for each man, saying, Let us marry you. We will provide our own food and clothing only let us take your names so we won't be mocked 
as old maids. But in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of all who survive in Israel. All who remain in Zion will be a holy people. Those who survive the destruction of Jerusalem and are recorded among the living, the Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem of its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now you people of Jerusalem and Judah, you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges and let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed. A place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of Heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. What sorrow for you uh, who buy up the house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. But I have heard the Lord of Heaven's armies swear a solemn oath. Many houses will stand deserted. Even beautiful mansions will be empty. Ten acres of vineyard will not produce even six gallons of wine. Ten baskets of seed will yield only one basket of grain. What sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and spend long evenings drinking wine to make themselves flaming drunk. They furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties, lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, but they never think about the Lord or notice what he's doing. So my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. Those who are great and honored will starve, and the common people will die of thirst. The grave is licking its lips in anticipation, opening its mouth wide. The great and the lowly and all the drunken mob will be swallowed up again. Humanity will be destroyed and people brought down. Even the arrogant will lower their eyes in humiliation. But the Lord of heaven's armies will be exalted by his justice. The holiness of God will be displayed by his righteousness. In that day, lambs will find good pastures, and fattened sheep and young goats will feed among the ruins. With sorrow... For those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies, who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. They take bribes to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. Therefore, just as fire licks up stubble and dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will rot and their flowers wither. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of Heaven's armies, they have dis- and they have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger burns against his people, and why he has raised his fist to crush them. The mountains tremble, and the corpses of his people litter the streets like garbage. But even the Lord's anger is not even then the Lord's anger is not satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. He will send a signal to distant nations far away and whistle to those at the end of the earth. They will come racing towards Jerusalem. They will not get tired 
or stumble. They will not stop for rest or sleep. Not a belt will be loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows will be sharp and their bows ready for battle. Sparks will fly from their horses' hooves, and the wheels of their chariots will spin like a whirlwind. They will roar like lions, like the strongest of lions. Growling, they will pounce on their victims and carry them off, and no one will be there to rescue them. They will roar over the victims on that day of destruction like the roaring of the sea. If someone looks across the land, only darkness and distress will be seen. Even the light will be darkened by the clouds. And And that that is our reading today. Okay. That is our reading today, and we read it with two questions in mind. We did. What does this tell us about God, and what does this tell us about us? So, Chip. Yeah. Chip Bungard. Yep, that's me. The Honorable Reverend Chip Bungard. Mm-hmm. What does this tell us about God? Well, you know, we're going to get a lot of judgments, and, you know, you, you didn't do this, so this is going to happen. This is going mm-hmm. to be all through the book of Isaiah. Um, so I'm trying to look for nuggets here, and I found one. Um, talked about his people going to exile far away because they do not know me. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because um, it's different to know about God instead of really knowing God. So mm-hmm. the knowing that he is talking about is this relationship. Like if you know me, I know you, we have this deep intimate relationship. So the knowing he's talking about is really experiential, you know, and that they're, they, they really know God, they love God, they live for God, and they do what he wants. And so they don't do that. So they know about God. And we have plenty of people that know about God. You know, God is all over the place, even in our, our country, but they don't know him. Yeah. And that's a problem. And it's even even in the church, you know, they know about God, what he talks about, you know, but they don't know him in that intimate way that leads to obedience, life change, uh, a change of heart, which impacts in what we say, and what we do and how we live. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think part of it is like, so, like, my wife and I, we watch a lot of cooking shows, like the competition shows with Gordon Ramsay. We're, like, big oh, Gordon yeah. Ramsay fans. Yeah. Sure. And so you'll look at these these things that these people create, and, you know, they'll make these magnificent dishes, and Incredible. and they look amazing, and they've got all these fresh ingredients, and they just look awesome. Mm, and delicious. then the judges will take a bite, and they'll talk about how it's, you know, it's so good, and it's seasoned just right, and mm. cooked perfectly, and yeah. all this stuff. And you sit there and you watch this, and it's like your eyes and your ears are trying so hard to help you appreciate what's on that plate. But mm-hmm. that's not what – that those aren't the senses for experiencing food, mm-hmm. right? If I could reach into my TV and take a bite of that, oh, yeah. then it would, yeah. be, it would be totally different. Right. And it's the same with God, right? Like we, we try to – know about God, know about, like you said, know about God. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, we use all the wrong senses to fully experience God. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we just sit there and think, okay, I know about him. I know about him. I know about him. Yeah. But is he your God? Is he your Lord? Is he your God? Do you, Mm -hmm. do you experience him? Have you experienced his joy? Have you experienced his conviction, his healing? Have you experienced him? Do you allow yourself to experience him? Do you only experience him in the, in the, sacred places like a church or do you experience him everywhere is he the lord of your whole life and so it's like it's like sitting there watching the food channel like mm-hmm. with these amazing dishes and it's like okay this but this isn't this isn't yeah. the same as experiencing it that's true you know it, and, and def- I, definitely a distinction in scripture between knowing about yeah and knowing and, yeah and we see it in the religious teachers of the new testament and the pharisees they knew all about god 
I mean, the best of the best. They knew everything about God, but they didn't know him. And Jesus called them on that. Yeah. It's like if you said to me, hey, tell me about your family. And I said, oh, well, I've got uh, two children. Yep. I have a five-year-old Caucasian male. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Micah Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born on October 10th, 2017. Um, he stands about, you know, maybe 40-something inches tall yeah. and weighs around 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, like, do you think for a second if you, like, talk to someone about their kids <laughs> right, yeah. that they would be like, oh, wow, you really know your kid, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just, yeah, and and God is so much bigger than that, so much more important than that, even more important than that. So, so hey, this is what it looks like if you don't know God. Okay. You think evil is good and good is evil. That's true. You think dark is light and light is dark. Mm -hmm. You think bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. Mm -hmm. You think uh, that you're wise in your own eyes, that you're so clever. You think uh, what sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine. You think that drinking wine is the most important thing and that you can boast about how much alcohol you can hold and that, you know, your sense of your justice is all off. And I mean, that's what it looks like when you don't know God, when you can know all about God. Yeah. But don't know God. That's true. That's what happens right there. And, um, hmm. you know, that's what I would say this tells us about us. When our perspective on God is off, and even if it's intellectually on, when our perspective on God, when our understanding of God and his character and his desires, when it's off, these are all the things we start to do. All the things we start to do. Our, our whole center, moral center of gravity is just totally off kilter. And we end up upside down, really. Hmm. You know, I think dark is light and evil is good and everything's off. Everything's off. So knowing God is crucial to being able to experience humanity the way God desires us to experience it. That's good. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what do we do with that, Chip? I think, you know, reading scripture and listening to solid Bible teaching with that in mind, like how can I know him better Mm -hmm. by, by, by practicing his word and my my day-to-day living you know so yeah i know this about god but how is that practically coming out? i know god listens to me but do i talk to him mm. you know um, i know he he says this about you know um gossiping but do i talk about people behind our back in bad ways you know things like that you know what so try to match up what you know about him and what he says with your um your experiences and what you do or don't do. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to match those up to really know him experientially. Yeah. So just evaluate, I guess, your practices with your, with the teaching, mm-hmm. with who God is. Yeah, I think that's totally true. And, you know, your practices, your attitude, your mindset, right? Like, is the joy of the Lord your strength, mm-hmm. right? Like those kinds of things, take those intangible things and really see if they fit in your life, right? If, if you go through the fruits of the Spirit and you're like, nope, don't have that one, don't have that one, don't have that one, don't have that one, then you're not experiencing the Spirit. Yeah. And He's not growing those fruits in you. You really don't know Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you need to know Him and not just about Him. Hey, I know that the Holy Spirit indwells me and makes fruit. Yeah. Okay. Do you know about that? Wonderful. What's that like? Mm-hmm. You know, what What does that look like to you? Give me an example of the last time that the fruit of the Spirit was patience in your life. Mm-hmm. Give me an example of the last time the fruit of the Spirit was self-control in your life. Mm-hmm. Right? And so really experience and know those things in a much deeper sense than just knowing 
how to recite the words on the paper. I think just having a conversation with God about it, you know, um, you, you know, you, you could get triggered with this conversation you're about to have with someone. So you say, okay, God, I, you know, I really need the power of your spirit to give mm-hmm. me these fruits right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just being aware of that and praying first and have that conversation I probably will help. It, will, it does help me. Definitely help, yeah. It, yeah. Does, it doesn't help when I don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Should have been more prepared. Yep. Well, hey. Okay. That was cool. Cool. Great. Exciting. Yep. The book of Isaiah, bringing it to life. Bringing it to life. Okay, Eric. Well, I think it's time to go.